shining a light on podcasts and videos that have caught our attention. The Spotlight with Jen Spiker. Weekdays on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Today, Pastor Greg Laurie points out Jesus sets us free from our chains. But there's even more to the story. In fact, it's the best part of the story. So here's the picture. You're in the slave market. You're chained up. And Jesus comes in and says, I'll take this one and I'll pay retail. He says, okay, I'm your new master. That's wonderful, master. I'll follow you wherever you want me to go. Okay, good. Let's go to the courthouse. Why? Because I'm now adopting you as my own child. That's what God did for us. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. Genealogy is big business these days. And now more than 12 million people have taken DNA tests to learn more about their lineage, maybe hoping they're related to royalty. But today on A New Beginning, as we study the life of Esther, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that there's a lineage that extends beyond the earthly. We'll see, spiritually speaking, we've been adopted into God's family through Christ. Indeed, we are related to royalty. We're chosen sons and daughters of the King. When we last left Esther, a bad moon was rising. The villain of the story, Haman, emerges on the scene. And now he has come into power, as you recall. The king has put him as second in command. And not only that, but the king has given to Haman his signet ring. That would be like giving someone your credit cards or giving them your passwords. Haman had access to all the power of the king and he hatches this wicked plot to eradicate the Jewish people from the face of the earth. Why? Well, as we discovered together, uh, Haman was an avowed enemy of Israel, descended from the Amalekites. Uh, King Agag was spared and the Agagites were a race of people and Haman was an Agagite. So he had a blood feud with Israel and of course, Uh, our good friend Mordecai and Esther were Jews, so they would be on his hit list now with this plan. Let's look at Esther 3, starting in verse 5. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, he was filled with rage. He had learned of Mordecai's nationality, so he decided it was not enough to lay hands on Mordecai alone. Instead, he looked for a way to destroy all the Jews throughout the entire empire of Xerxes. Now that would be the Persian Empire. So he's in power. He wants to wipe the Jewish people out and he gets the king's approval. So Mordecai catches wind of this plot. And so he, being a government official himself, sends word to Esther saying, you've got to do something. Meanwhile, Esther is living in the literal lap of luxury there in the palace of the king. She was secluded and isolated and knew nothing about the plight of her people. So Mordecai is standing outside of the walls 
of the palace covered in sackcloth. He's in mourning because of this threat against the Jews and, and someone notices him and says, hey Esther, your cousin's outside not dressed very well. He, he looks pretty unhappy. She says, well send him some new clothes and, and they send him some clothes. Talk about missing the point altogether. And so now Mordecai needs to tell Esther what's really coming down. That brings us to Esther chapter four. Look at verse 13. Mordecai said to Esther, don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. But who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. And so she was chosen by God and we've been chosen by God. That brings us to Ephesians. Pop over there really quick, Ephesians chapter one. Why did God choose us? Well, here's the answer in Ephesians one, verse four. Just as He chose us before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption, you might underline those words adoption to adoption, as sons by Jesus Christ Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. I heard the story of two brothers who were signing up for Little League. Uh, They were to write down their birth dates, which they did. But the coach noticed they were both born on the same year, but they were born two months apart. He said, wait, I'm a little confused about you two brothers. How can you be brothers and both be born in the same year, a few months apart? And one of the boys said, we're adopted. The coach said, oh, which one of you was adopted? They both said in unison, we don't know. What do you mean you don't know? How can you not know which one of you was adopted? They said, well, our dad said to us, he loved us both so much he couldn't remember which one was adopted. (laughs) I told that story to my wife and she said, how could a father be so stupid? I said, you're missing the point. (laughs) It's because the father loved the boys, both. And, And we've been adopted into God's family. Notice the verse says, in verse five, according to his good pleasure, that we're predestined to adoption by the pleasure of His will. God is happy to have done this for us. You know, when you have kids, how many of you have children? Raise your hand up, okay. How many of you have grandchildren? Raise your hand. It's different when you have grandchildren, isn't it? You know, because the role of a parent is to raise a child, to be responsible, to teach them what right and wrong are, to to, uh, help them develop a work ethic, most importantly to to uh, show them how to have faith in Jesus Christ. The role of a grandparent is to fill the child with sugar, um, (laughs) give them toys, have fun with them. I'm exaggerating. But the point is that a, a grandparent can be more indulgent than a parent can be. It's sort of the reward we get for parenting. And it's a punishment on our children for the misery they brought us. Because we return their child to them full of sugar, right? But, um, but you know, I do things for my grandkids because I want to. Because I know always with the parents, it's do your homework, go to bed, brush your teeth. So I, I come to them and say, who wants to go get ice cream and buy a toy? Well, they like that idea. That's my good pleasure. I enjoy that because I enjoy seeing them have a good time. I figure, you know what, they have enough responsibilities and it's not like I only fill them with sugar. 
Uh, we have wonderful talks together about a lot of wonderful things, but we have good food while we're doing it as well, you know? <laughs> but the idea is that this is my good pleasure, and it's God's good pleasure when He adopted us into His family. I mean, think about that adoption. To be adopted is a great thing because you're really chosen. You're chosen by the person, by the parents. And God has chosen us to be His adopted children. I mean, the Bible uses different pictures to describe us. We're like a slave out in the open market. And that's why the Bible says you've not received the spirit of bondage like a slave, but one of adoption, whereby you cry, Abba, Father. So here's the picture. You're in the slave market. You're chained up. Uh, no one's bidding on you. No one wants you. And Jesus comes in and says, I'll take this one and I'll pay retail. He doesn't even bargain for you. You're so grateful to have been purchased. He looks like you'll be a nice master. He says, okay, I'm your new master. That's wonderful, master. I'll follow you wherever you want me to go. Okay, good, let's go to the courthouse. Why? Because I'm now adopting you as my child. That's what God did for us. He took us out of the slavery of sin and adopted us as his own child. That's why we have so much to be thankful for. We were chosen by him. And here's something amazing. Look at verse six of Ephesians one. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. It's great to have you join us for A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. Today, Pastor Greg continues his message based in the book of Esther called Why God Chose You. Let's get back to it. I want to tell you something that may blow your mind right now. I'll start with a question. How many of you believe that God the Father loves God the Son? Raise your hand up. You believe He loves the Son. Okay, now here's something I want to tell you. God the Father in heaven loves you as much as He loves Jesus Christ, His Son. Did you know that? So don't ever doubt that God loves you. You say, well, what is that based on? Well, that's based on the statement of the Lord Himself in what is the real Lord's Prayer. Found in John chapter 17, verse 22. He says to the Father, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Look, I stand accepted in the beloved, the Bible says. What does that mean? I stand in Christ, so stop with the, I'm not worthy, I don't deserve it. You never deserved it, you'll never be worthy. Bottom line, God chose you, God forgave you, God adopted you, and you stand in Christ loved as much as the Father loves his own Son. On the cross, God treated Jesus as if he had personally committed every sin ever committed by every person who would ever believe, though he committed none of them. Let me say that again. On the cross, God the Father treated Jesus as if he had personally committed every sin ever committed by every person who would ever believe, though he never committed any of them. That's called the doctrine of substitution. Listen, he died in our place, our substitute. God punished Jesus as though he lived your life that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So he gave his life for my life. And that is why I have this position with God. Jesus lived to the age of 33 years old. 
Jesus could have done everything he came to do literally over the weekend. He could have just ascended from heaven, died on the cross, rose from the dead, done deal. You're all good. But he walked among us as a man for all those years before he began his public ministry, which was relatively short. Why did he do it? Because he lived a perfect life. He was righteous in every way and he passed every single test. 33 years old. My uh, granddaughter Stella and Lucy were talking to me a while ago and they said, Papa, that's what they call me, how old do you want to be when you're in heaven? You know, people ask, how old will we be in heaven? And it's like, you know, because if, you know, if you make it to 99, do you want to be 99 in heaven? Probably not. So I said, I don't know. I say 33. That's a good age. And I said, by the way, that was the age of Jesus. And then my granddaughter Stella said, well, that was the age of my daddy Christopher who's in heaven. Our son Christopher went to be with the Lord when he was 33 years old. And then she thought about it for a moment and said, hmm, there must have been a reason. I thought that was interesting. And then Lucy uh, said to me, uh, I want to be two when I'm in heaven. I said, you want to be two? Why do you want to be two? She said, because I miss the old me. <laughs> That's Lucy and Stella in a nutshell right there those comments. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to be a psychologist here for a moment, but maybe when you think of a father, you had a distant father, an uncommunicative father, maybe a cold father. Then again, maybe you had a super affectionate father, a loving father, a nurturing, supportive father. I don't know, but whatever father you had on this earth, I just want you to know that your father in heaven is better even if you had an awesome dad. Or maybe you had, yeah, it's true. Maybe you had a horrible dad, I don't know. But your father in heaven is perfect and he loves you and you've been made accepted in him. Listen, you are here on this earth for a reason. God has a plan for your life. God put Esther where she was for a reason. We need to find that reason. And we need to do what we can to bring honor and glory for the Lord. There's two things we can do with our lives. We can chase after the empty promises of this world and just waste them. And many do. They waste their entire life. Or you can say, I want God's will. I want to discover God's plan. I want to take the position he's given to me, whatever it is, wherever it is, and leverage it and use it for his glory. Let me close with this. How do you know if you're chosen by God? Well, as I said earlier, believe in Jesus Christ and you'll prove that you are. Now, I would assume everybody here would already be a Christian. Uh, but I don't think we should always assume that. Because it's possible there's someone here who has never asked Jesus Christ to forgive them of their sin. It's possible that one of you is here at this uh, study and you're thinking, I'm not really sure if my sin is forgiven. I mean, I, I, I want to think that, but I'm not sure of it, but I would like to be. Listen, remember this. Jesus died on the cross for your sin and he rose again from the dead and now he stands at the door of your life and he knocks and he says, if you'll hear his voice, and open the door, he will come in. Doesn't say it's all predetermined and you have nothing to say about it. You can open the door or you cannot open the door. 
Yes, he can be resisted. It's not an irresistible grace. It is a resistible grace. That is why the Bible says, harden not your heart if you can hear his voice. So you do have a choice in the matter, a big choice. But if you want to prove you're chosen by God, I urge you to believe in Jesus Christ right now. And if you're not sure that you do, I'd like to give you an opportunity to as we bow our heads in prayer. Let's all bow our heads right now. Everybody praying. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for each of our sins. He stood in the gap for each and every one of us. And Lord, we are so thankful for that. And then he rose again from the dead. And now, Lord, we know that you offer your forgiveness to anyone who would believe. So I pray now for anybody here, anybody watching or listening, wherever they are, if they don't know you yet, help them to come to you. Help them to believe in you. Now we ask. Amen. Pastor Greg Laurie with an important word of prayer. And if today's program has made you want to make that change in your relationship with the Lord, Pastor Greg can help walk you through that right now. Listening to the radio? Absolutely. Because guess what? Jesus Christ is with you right where you are right now. And if you want Jesus Christ to come into your life and forgive you of your sin, if you want to invite him into your life, why don't you pray this prayer after me right now. In fact, I would even encourage you to pray it out loud. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want you to come into my life and forgive me of my sin. I thank you for dying for me on the cross and then rising again from the dead. I choose to follow you from this moment forward. Be my Savior, be my Lord, be my God, and be my friend. Thank you for loving me and calling me and forgiving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now listen, as you just prayed that prayer, maybe you felt something emotional. I've had people write me and tell me of how they prayed with me at the end of our radio broadcast and tears came down their cheeks or they felt a great joy. Maybe one of those things happened to you or then again, maybe you felt nothing. Listen, irregardless of how you feel right now, I want you to know a fact. If you prayed that prayer and meant it, Jesus Christ has come into your life. Why do I say that? Because the Bible says, these things we write to you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. That verse doesn't say, so you can think you have eternal life or hope if God's in a really good mood, you may have eternal life. No, it says you can know it. And if you just prayed that prayer and meant it, Christ has come into your life. So let me say to you, welcome to God's family. And we'd like to help you get started in living your new life with the Lord. We'd like to send you some free follow-up materials called our New Believers Growth Packet. Just get in touch and we'll send that pack right out to you. As I said, it's free of charge. Just call us on 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And the team would love to pray with you too. That number again, 1-800-772-936. Next time on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg advances the story of Esther. We'll contrast the two men, Mordecai and Haman, one an honourable man, the other an evil man, and we'll see how each reaps what he sows. This is the day.
Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called Why God Chose You. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or if you'd like a copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on 1-800-005011 or visionstore.org.au. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 